0: hard to believe this is our last week of the Jesus Is series. But it is here. Weeks fly by, don't they? I got a couple things I need to talk about right quick. And the first of all is some things that happened Friday here at the church. We had a really serious ruckus that took place. (laughs) If you're not aware... We had about 100 kids in here Friday afternoon from Mountain View Elementary, and to be honest, I'm not real sure who had more fun, those kids or myself, but we had a ball. Uh, we, we started Bible release time with Mountain View Elementary this this past week, and it's something we're going to do every month, once a month, and try and get at least six throughout the school year. And we had, like I said, about 100 kids, I think we could probably add another grade and I found out kids don't take up near as much space as adults, so I think we could fit another 30 or 40 more, just pile them in here, and we'd have a real, real good time. But we played some games. The kids got so loud at one point and so into it that it was just a roar. I couldn't really make anything out. I thought the windows were going to break. But, you know, as soon as we started having the Bible lesson, it was just silent. And at the end, I did some review questions. We gave away some prizes, and they knew the answer to every. Every question, they soaked it all in, which is just incredible. We've got a really amazing opportunity to reach out to these kids. And the ones that stick with coming, you know, if they start in the third grade, they're going to get three, four, maybe five years of Bible lessons during the school year, which is incredible. Uh, thanks for those that came out to our worship night. I'd had, I know we got a couple of guests with us this morning that came and worshiped with us Friday night. It got a little cold, I'll be honest, but we had a good time worshiping down on Main Street. And uh, thanks to you all that helped with the booth. And I know we gave away a lot of information about the church and got to meet and greet a lot of different folks. I appreciate that so much. Today's the last day of our Jesus Is series. And if this is your first time with us or you've missed a few, just let me remind you all the things we talked about over the past six weeks. We started this series called Jesus Is... Because we, we understand that Jesus says so many things to so many different people. And for some people, the question of who is Jesus is not a really easy question to answer. And so we talked about, we looked at the Word of God and, the, and we looked at the Bible and we, we realized that there's several main things that we need to talk about Jesus. The first was that Jesus is my friend. And we talked about how Jesus is a friend that's unlike any other friend, a friend who has so much love for us that even lay down his life for us. The next week, we talked about the humanity of Jesus, what it meant for God to become a man and experience all the things that we experience and then, of course, die in our place. Then we looked at Jesus as the king. That was one of my favorites, that Jesus is the king of kings and the Lord of lords, and then he's coming back. The next week, we talked about Jesus being the faithful bridegroom and what that meant for us as the church or his bride. Then the next week we talked about Jesus as the Savior of the world. And not only what he did, but why did Jesus have to die for us? Of course, because we looked at the humanity of Jesus and we realized that he's the only one that could do it and take away our sins. But then we realized also God deemed us worthy of the death of his son by sending Jesus to the cross. This week we pretty well sum everything up by simply saying Jesus is everything. He is everything and so much more. See, Jesus can be everything because if you think about it, life's probably going to throw just about everything your way. There's going to be times in life where you have days you really don't want a king in your life, but you might need a friend. There's going to be days when you think, well, I don't really need a friend, but I do need a king. I need some authority and somebody to speak truth and maybe a little discipline into my life. Maybe I don't need a king today, but sometimes when I'm broken, When I realize just how rotten I really am, some days I really just need to be with my Savior. Jesus really is all of this and so much more. I want to look at a few passages of Scripture this morning, but first let's look at the words of the Apostle Paul in Colossians chapter 1. I want to show you five verses from Colossians 1, verses 15 through 20. The Apostle Paul says this about Jesus. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead so that in everything he might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have his fullness dwell in him and through him to reconcile to himself all things whether things on earth or things in heaven by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Let's stop and pray right quick. Father, thank you God so much for the truth that your word reveals to us. I pray that it fills our hearts, and God, it just opens our eyes to see the truth about you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. When I look at this now, Paul is a very good writer. But it seems to me like Paul is essentially saying Jesus is pretty much everything. Let's just walk through these verses right quick. Verse 15, Paul says he's the image of the invisible God. In other words, Jesus is the manifestation or the revelation of God himself making God known to us, or that through Jesus we may know God the Father. He goes on in verse 16, they say that Jesus was with God in the beginning. That's important because John says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. The Word was God. Jesus was there with God when God spoke the universe into existence, and He took part in that creative process, making everything that we see. Because of this, in verse 17, Paul points out that Jesus is essentially timeless and that now he works within God's sovereignty to hold all things together. He's basically the ruler of all of this creation. But in verse 18, he's also with the church. He's the head of the church. As we talked about a couple weeks ago, he's the faithful bridegroom of his future bride. Verse 19, he's God. It pleased God. To have his fullness dwell in him. We talked about the humanity of Jesus. Here Paul talks more about the deity of Jesus. And then lastly in verse 20 he points out that he's the way to God. That it's only through Christ's blood shed on the cross that we can have a relationship and be reconciled to God the Father. There's no other way. Jesus is everything. Now I could stop there I guess and that would be a pretty simple sermon. But I think there's a little more to it. It's all great, but what does this really mean to me? What does this mean for us? You see, Paul, you've got to understand something about Paul. I love reading what Paul wrote. Paul could write a run-on sentence in the Greek that would make most of our English teachers blush with shame. Just an incredible, incredible writer. But what does this mean? How is Jesus really everything to me? Let me tell you a story. Of what some people call the God-shaped hole. Now, you're thinking, if it's a God-shaped hole, it's probably a pretty big hole somewhere. You might be surprised. You see, I believe, and I think this is scriptural, and I'll, I'll show you this, that there is a significant void, an emptiness in all of our lives, and that we really, truly desire this void to be filled with something. Now, years and years ago, a man by the name of Pascal wrote about this. He said, what else does this craving and this helplessness proclaim but that there was once in man a true happiness? What he's talking about is when Adam and Eve, when God created them and before they sinned against God, they were really at peace with God. They had a perfect relationship with God. They were happy and this void was filled. He says there once was in was in man a true happiness of which all that now remains is the empty print and the trace. You see, when they sinned against God, all of that went away, and now all we have left is basically an empty footprint of what once was. He says this, this emptiness, he tries in vain to fill with everything around him, seeking things that are not there to help he cannot find and those that are, though none can help since this infinite abyss can be filled only with an infinite, And a mutable object. In other words, by God Himself. He says the only thing that's going to fill an infinite void is an infinite and almighty God. He understood that this hole that we have in our hearts or in our lives is it's God-shaped. And God's the only thing that's going to be able to fill it. Now we try to fill it up, don't we? With all kinds of stuff. You all have probably heard something like this before. We all know we like to fill our God-shaped hole up with bad stuff, stuff like unhealthy relationships, substances, alcohol, drugs, ungodly pleasures. We we know all that, but sometimes we try to fill our God-shaped hole up with things that aren't always that bad, things like hard work, sacrifices for our family, money. Money's not all that bad. like to have a little more of it sometimes, but... We try to fill it up with religion, an outward expression of an inward change that really hasn't taken place. But none of these things are truly satisfying, and really, because they're not God-shaped, they still leave us yearning and wanting and desiring something more. St. Augustine said, You have made us for Yourself, O Lord, and our hearts are restless until they rest in You. They are restless until they rest in you. Do you realize nothing is ever truly going to fill that void? No high is ever going to be high enough. No thrill is ever going to last long enough. No amount of money or hard work or earnings could ever truly satisfy you. Even the greatest marriage and a great family and a lifetime filled with good deeds is still going to leave you looking for something else if Jesus is not what you filled your life with. Because your heart will never truly be satisfied until you fill it with Jesus. Now, that's a great illustration, but I think it's also biblical. Let's look at what Jesus said in John chapter 7, verse 37. John tells us that on the last day, on the last and greatest day of the festival, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, Let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as Scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. Have you ever been thirsty? I mean really thirsty. Not like you want a a sip of water, but have you ever really truly been thirsty? I have. I remember as a teenager, I used to love DiGiorno pizzas. I still do, but I can't eat them like I used to. I used to love DiGiorno pizzas, and as a teenager, I'd stay up late, and I'd I'd like that guy on that old commercial. I can't believe I ate the whole thing. I'd eat all that pizza, you know, and I'd go to bed, and like 3 in the morning, I'd wake up because of the pepperoni and the the sauce, and it's just so salty, and at 3 in the morning, i wake up, and my my mouth just feels like there's cotton balls in it, and I can't run to the kitchen sink fast enough to stick my head under there and, and drink what felt like a gallon of water in the middle of the night thirsty when i went to uh basic training at fort benning which is an incredibly hot place we had trouble with people with soldiers getting too hot and so the remedy that the army came up with was called forced hydration and they'd line you up and you have a two-quart canteen filled with water and they they, they make you stand there and, and guzzle two quarts of water down and hold it up above your head to ensure that you drank it all Now, some people, as you can imagine, aren't used to drinking two quarts of water at one time, so things would happen. But nobody ever got thirsty or too hot. But Jesus isn't just talking about water. But like our thirst and our need for water, so is our desperate dependence and need for Jesus. We need water for life. Yeah, we gotta have water. We gotta drink water to survive. But we need Jesus for abundant life, for eternal life. And this word that Jesus uses in verse 38 here, when he says rivers of living water will flow from within them, it comes from a Greek word that it means cavity or hollow place or empty place. Sometimes it's translated as your heart. See, I think Jesus was pointing out that this within that he talks about is this God-shaped hole that's within each and every one of us, this place that thirst and longs really for Jesus himself. And it's going to continue to thirst and remain empty until we've believed and trusted in Jesus. And then he says, not only will you be filled, but you yourself will actually become a fountain of living water. And what he's talking about is when you trust in him, you begin a relationship with God. The very spirit of God himself will dwell within you and come out of you. And what was once a dark, empty, lonely place horrible place will suddenly become a place where God Almighty dwells. And that's a well that's not going to run dry. And so, the natural question here, how do we get this water? The question may sound familiar if you remember the woman that Jesus talked to at the well. Jesus had this conversation with this Samaritan woman. And she's He began to tell her about this living water. And she finally said, sir, where do I get this water? Give me some of this water. And she points out something real interesting in the conversation. She says that she was tired of having to go back to the well. She said, give me this water so I don't have to come back here every day to this well and get water and carry it back home. And I thought about how that translates to our lives. You know, it's tiring having to go back to whatever well we keep dipping from. Going back to that broken relationship, for some of us it's going back to that bottle or going back to that needle, or going back to that faulty self-image, going back to that lie that we try to live, going back to our pride. It wears us out. Going back, going back, and going back. But imagine not having to go back again because you've got a hold of something that satisfies you. It leaves you not wanting anything. All the stuff that you once desired that you thought you had to have for life, you don't even want it anymore. This woman wanted something better than what she had. She said, sir, give me this water. And Jesus, a few verses later, he essentially says, lady, I am the water. You just need some of me. All you got to do is just trust in who I am. Trust in me for salvation. Believe that Jesus is who the Bible says that he is. The next logical question. Well, preacher, what does the Bible say about Jesus? The Bible says a lot about Jesus. I believe this entire book points to Jesus, cover to cover. When we read about all these stories about all these incredible people who God worked through, I believe that they're in some way pointing us to Jesus. The Bible basically says Jesus is everything. And you look at some of the things the Bible calls Jesus. Just check this out. It says that Jesus is our advocate. That Jesus is the author and the finisher of our faith. That he's the only begotten of the Father. He's the righteous branch. He's the bread of life. He's the faithful bridegroom that we talked about. He's called the bride and morning star, the captain of our salvation, the chief shepherd, the cornerstone, the dayspring from on high. He's our deliverer. He's the desire of nations. The Bible says he's Emmanuel or God with us. He's called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. He's the friend of sinners. He's called the gift of God. He's our high priest. He's the holy one of God, the horn of salvation. The Bible says he's the lamb of God. Jesus himself said, I'm the light of the world. We know he's the king of kings and the Lord of lords. He's the lion of the tribe of Judah that we sang about. He's our master, our mediator, our Messiah. He's also the great physician and the power of God. He's a propitiation for our sins. The Bible calls him our ransom our redeemer, our refiner, our righteousness, the resurrection and the life. He's the rock. He's the root of David. He's called the rose of Sharon. He's our sacrifice, our savior, the son of God. And Jesus himself said, I am the way, the truth and the life. And nobody comes to the father, but by me, Jesus is everything. And so much more. He's everything you need He's everything that you could ever hope for or long for. He's everything that you could imagine and so much more. He's everything. I love reading those stories in the Bible. About Moses, Daniel, Joshua. All these incredible stories. And we're going to get to share those with the kids throughout the school year. Which is just, I get so excited about that. Because, as I said, I believe those stories teach us not only about what God did years and years and centuries and millennia ago, but it teaches us about the character and the person of Jesus. The Bible teaches us that Jesus was with God in the beginning, speaking all of creation into existence, but that today that means that now he's ready to speak new life into us we read about Moses, we read that he was with Moses and the children of Israel when God parted the Red Sea so that they could walk through. And now that means that he goes before you, preparing a way to God himself. We read that he was with Joshua and all those Hebrews marching around the the city of Jericho as we sing as children as the walls came tumbling down. Now he's ready to go with you and to tear down the walls of division that's in your life. We read, as we sang about earlier, that he was the fourth man in the fiery furnace with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego as they stood there in the flames and they weren't consumed. And now he's ready to go with you and stand through whatever fire life may throw your way. We read that he's the one that walked on water, but now he's willing to walk with you through the ways of life. That he was the one that calmed the storm and the raging seas, and now he's ready to calm the storms in your life. That he's the one that healed the lame and made the blind to see, and now he's ready to bring healing into your heart and into your life. That he's the one that called the dead back to life. And now he's ready to bring you back to life and bring new life into you. Jesus is everything. There's a song out right now. And I absolutely love this song. It's called Chainbreaker. It points out that no matter where you're at, if you don't have Jesus, there's a better life. A better life. And it says if you've got pain he's a pain taker. If you feel lost, he's a way maker. If you need freedom, if you need saving, he's a prison-shaking savior. If you got chains, he's a chain breaker. As we close and Caitlin comes up to lead us in a song of invitation. This chain breaker broke the greatest chain known to man, and that was our sinfulness. And he did that by going to a cross, carrying that cross himself out the city and up a hill called Calvary, where they nailed him to it and hung him there to die. And in that, he took on our sins and our shame and our guilt, and he died in our place for us. But the story didn't end there. He broke the chain and of death, he came out of the grave victoriously, ascended to the right hand of God the Father, and today, if you do not have a relationship with him, he's ready to welcome you home, to love you with arms wide open, it don't matter what past you've got, how far gone you may think you are, the things that you've done, however many times you've stood before God and said no, he's ready to accept you today. Would you stand with me, let's pray together. Lord Jesus, you are everything. You're all that we need. You're all that our heart truly desires. And God, I pray, Lord, if there's someone here that doesn't know you, that they realize this morning that nothing is ever going to fill that void except for you. That there is no other way to God except through Jesus. And Lord, all you ask from us is that we trust you. That we trust in what you've done for us on the cross. That you defeated death in the grave forever. Really all you want for us, Lord Jesus, is to be our everything. And Lord, if somebody needs to make that decision today, I pray that right now they would come. In Jesus' name, amen.